It's time for our first batch of October birthday shoutouts. These are being done in batches because there are so many of you, way more than any other month. It's actually kind of odd. Anyway, I want to say a very happy birthday to Gina, Chiquita, Christy, Nicole, Donna, Kristen, Claire, Senta, Aida, and Ariane. Thank you so much for your support on Patreon. I hope everyone has such an amazing birthday, birth week, month. We're just going to have a great year going forward, and I hope everyone celebrates their birthday in style. So happy birthday, everyone. Fourteen-month-old Jaden Lesky disappeared in 1997 from his babysitter's home. The babysitter, his mother's boyfriend, said he left the little boy alone for around 40 minutes. While many didn't believe him, there was evidence of a break-in and other suspects to pursue. Would the police narrow down the person responsible, and would a jury agree? I'm Charlie, and welcome to Crime Lines. Welcome to Crime Lines. Thank you for clicking on that play button even after you saw that this was a part one. Here's the thing. I am recovering from laryngitis. You may be able to hear it in my voice right now. You will definitely be hearing it if I try to record straight through an hour and a half long episode. So this is going to be a two-parter. I'm going to record and edit this part right now to get it out on time. And then tomorrow, after my voice has rested a little, I will record, edit, and release part two. So you're going to get them almost back-to-back, and you won't have to wait a week. If not for my voice, I would just release this as one extra-long episode. Also, I just wanted to really quickly announce that I will be in the Dallas-Fort Worth area for a meetup with Josh from True Crime BS and Lainey from True Crime Fan Club and Crimes of Passion. It will be in the bar inside the Kimpton Harper Hotel in Fort Worth. We're going to be there from 7 until they kick us out. I hope everyone can make it. I'll put the information on social media, and I'll also announce it again when it gets closer. These meetups are super laid back. We just want people to come hang out with us, so they're very low pressure. It's a little awkward when we first meet and don't know each other, but within a couple minutes, everything is great. So definitely consider coming out. It's pretty much the most low-stress situation you're ever going to meet me in. So on to today's case, I want to thank Catherine for suggesting this one. I do want to note that this case got major media coverage in Australia, but the main source was the 100-page coroner's report, which is available online and will be linked to my sources. Please know that this is a kid case, so if stories of missing or murdered children is just something you avoid, I will see you next week. For the rest of us, let's get started. This case takes place in Moe, which is in the state of Victoria, about an hour and a half east of Melbourne. In 1997, 22-year-old Belinda Murphy lived in Moe with her two children, a daughter who was two and a half and a one-year-old son named Jaden. Belinda and the father of her children, Brett Lesky, had recently broken up. The breakup wasn't entirely on good terms. Brett and a friend of his named Greg Domasevich had shared a workshop where they ran their businesses out of it. Greg and Belinda started at some point in 1996 
some type of relationship behind Brett's back. When Brett learned about it, the two split up, and this was right around Jaden's first birthday, which would have been in April 1997. Brett, soon after, left the area to go to Western Australia for work. So Belinda lived alone with the children while Greg lived in his own home about five minutes away. With Brett moving across the country for work, Belinda was left with two small children alone. This was complicated by Jaden being fussier than average as a baby. It has been confirmed not just by witnesses who said he did seem more prone to crying jags than average, but it has also been documented in his medical file. Belinda took Jaden to the doctor right around his first birthday to see if there was something causing all of his crying but the doctor found that he was a healthy baby. During this time with Brett in Western Australia, Greg would offer to babysit for Belinda. In the course of two or three months, she took him up on this offer several times. Greg had bonded with Jaden, but he didn't seem to have the same connection with Belinda's daughter. So a lot of the babysitting really was just taking Jaden off of Belinda's hands for a couple of hours and on at least one occasion, keeping him overnight. Anyone who has had a colicky baby knows how nice it is for someone to just take him for a couple of hours so you can get a mental break. And Belinda admittedly needed it. She said there was one time when she pushed Jaden with her foot out of frustration. Her ex has characterized this as Belinda kicking Jaden, but she said it was definitely just a shove. Not that that makes it okay, but There are two different ways to look at this, and one is putting it in the best light and one is putting it in the worst. Brett said that he took the kids to his parents' home immediately after this incident, though Belinda said that didn't happen. Regardless of exactly what did happen, Brett wasn't concerned enough at this point to intervene with Belinda's physical custody of the kids and still left them with her while he moved to another state. Another way Belinda would get breaks from the 24-7 parenting was to go out with her sister and friends, and the two sisters would usually share a babysitter named Julie. And that's exactly what Belinda had planned for June 14, 1997. Belinda and her sister Katie were going to hang out at Katie's house with their kids for the day, and then Julie would come over later to watch the kids while Belinda and Katie went to a party. Katie had two kids and Belinda had two kids, and in addition to being cousins, Belinda's kids were the half-siblings of one of Katie's daughters. Because these sisters had a bit of a complicated overlap with Brett Lesky. Katie, who is three years older than Belinda, had become pregnant in her late teens, but the father doesn't appear to have stuck around for long. While pregnant, she met Brett Lesky. After the baby was born, the two married in October 1992. Later, they had a second baby together. At some point, Belinda, who was a teenager, moved in with her sister and Brett. Things deteriorated between Katie and Brett, in part because Katie suspected Brett was cheating on her, and specifically cheating with Belinda. Katie and Brett separated. Whether Brett and Belinda crossed the line during his marriage with Katie or not, the two started dating openly a few months after Katie and Brett separated. Belinda was just 17. 
Brett and Belinda got engaged, but they never married. They had their two children together in quick succession before their relationship ended. So yes, Brett Lesky had children with both sisters, and somehow the sisters did manage to repair their own relationship to some degree. Brett was still a source of contention for them, though. There are stories about Katie saying things like, Brett loved her more because at least he married her, just stuff like that. It's a rude and immature thing to say, for sure, but they were immature. They were in their late teens and early 20s during all of this, and I think that is important to remember as we proceed. On the morning of June 14th, the day Belinda was going over to Katie's, Greg Damasavich showed up at Belinda's house. She told him about her plans for the day, and he offered to watch Jaden while she went to Katie's house. She could just relax, and then Greg would bring Jaden over to Katie's later in the afternoon when the babysitter would be there. Greg had arrived at Belinda's on his motorcycle, so he had to go home first to get his car so he could drive people around. While he was gone, Belinda got Jaden dressed and packed a bag with extra diapers and clothes for him. Then Greg returned, and Jaden, his sister, and Belinda got into the car, and they drove to Katie's. This would have been around 1.30 in the afternoon. Belinda gave Jaden a kiss goodbye, and Greg handed Belinda some extra money so she could have a little bit more fun that night. Greg and Jaden then drove to his house where he was going to babysit while he worked on his car a bit. Jaden was playing in the backyard with Greg's dogs while he did his car repairs. Greg said that while Jaden could get in and out of the house on his own, he didn't like him to go inside unsupervised for long because he was 14 months old and into everything. So for the most part, Jaden was outside when Greg was outside. Okay, so now we are to our timeline. This is one of those cases where we are walking through it hour by hour. I had to take multiple stories and witnesses and lay them over each other so we could get this comprehensive timeline. That also means we are going to immediately see some contradictions between the people on what they remembered happened, what they're willing to say happened, and so on. So go ahead and settle in. Around 2 p.m., so we're not talking long after Greg and Jaden got to Greg's house, one of Greg's friends called. Darren, the friend, was upset with Greg because Katie Lesky, Belinda's sister, supposedly told people that Greg planned to kill Darren by Christmas. So the two men talked and argued on the phone for about an hour over this beef, whether it was real or imagined. And the call ended when Greg said he had to go because someone had pulled into the driveway. No one has come forward to say they pulled up to the house, and Greg didn't say anyone arrived in future statements. So I'm like 95% sure this was an excuse to get off the phone. After Greg hung up, he and Jaden headed back outside for Greg to work on the car and for Jaden to keep playing. At some point, Jaden fell down and had a little bit of a bloody nose, possibly a cut lip as well. The two went inside for Greg to clean him up, and then he gave Jaden a snack of chips, which is to say french fries because my English-to-English translation skills are top-notch. Around 4 p.m., Belinda and Greg talked on the phone. There is a discrepancy in who made the call. Greg said he called to check in, 
with Belinda, and Belinda said she called to check in with him and to see if Jaden needed more clothes because it had started to rain. According to Belinda, Greg told her on this call that he was going to bathe Jaden and then bring him to Katie's house. So this is 4 p.m. He was bringing Jaden back. At this point, Belinda said she heard Jaden in the background making those general baby-toddler chattering noises. Greg also told Belinda about the call from Darren and how Katie was gossiping about him. So when Belinda hung up with Greg, she told Katie what Greg said about her gossiping about Darren, and that whole thing started an argument between Katie and Belinda. Belinda decided she was done, and instead of going to the party, she was going to go home. It was raining, but Belinda didn't have a ride, so she and her two-year-old walked in the rain to get home. When she got there, she called Greg's house to let him know, don't bring Jaden to Katie's. I'm home now. Bring him here. But Greg didn't answer. She said she repeatedly called him, trying to reach him anywhere between 15 and 20 times between 5.30 and 7.45. Greg would later claim he was home this entire time. After the rain had eased up a bit, Greg went back outside to finish what he was doing with his car. He said initially that the car's back tires had been backed up onto ramps, and then he used a jack to elevate the front of the car. He mentioned the jack wasn't working well and had let itself down at least once, and he had to jack it back up. Greg would later go back on this and say there was no jack involved at all, but we will get to that whenever we get to it. There's a lot of information to cover. It'll probably be in part two. Around 6 p.m., Greg said it was too dark to keep working, so he moved the car from the back where he was working on it to the front of the house where it was normally parked, a spot that was visible from the street. Then he went inside. But he never answered any of the calls from Belinda in this time frame, even though, according to her, his phone should have rang at least 15 to 20 times. There is also another witness statement that brings into question Greg's story about being home at this point. At 7.30, Greg's friend Clinton stopped by the house. He had been there earlier in the day around noon to return some Nintendo controllers. The two made plans to go out later, and he was supposed to pick Greg up around 7.30. Clinton tried to call Greg to confirm a few times, but Greg didn't answer. So Clinton drove over to the house around 7.30 as planned. But he didn't stop because he saw that Greg's car was gone. According to Greg's timeline, his car had been parked in front of his house for an hour and a half at this point. So these stories in no way line up. His car should have been there. In the interest of fairness, we do have to consider that Clinton's time and Greg's time, they may be off. Maybe Greg worked on his car a little later than he thought, and Clinton had driven by a little earlier. So the car was there, but it just was in the back, so Clinton couldn't see it from the street. They would both have to be off by about 45 minutes to meet in the middle, so I'm not persuaded, but it is possible.
It doesn't explain Greg not hearing the phone pretty much ringing off the hook, though. Since Belinda couldn't get through to Greg, her assumption must have been that Greg did what he planned to do, give Jaden the bath and bring him to Katie's house. He had plans at 7.30, so between 4 p.m. when he told Belinda he was bringing Jaden to Katie's at 7.30, you would think he would have shown up somewhere with Jaden, but he didn't. Belinda did end up talking to Katie at some point this night, and she found out that Greg had not dropped Jaden off there. But while they were talking, the two also made up, called a truce, got over themselves, basically, and decided they would go ahead to the birthday party together. Katie's boyfriend, Neville, was going to drive them since Katie's car was not working. Belinda said she was still a little frazzled, not having touched base with Greg. The plans for the night seemed to be in flux, and she hadn't been able to update Greg on any of it and she didn't know where he was with Jaden. And we're coming to another discrepancy here. When Belinda and Katie drove to the party around 8, Katie said they drove past Greg's house to check on Jaden and his car was not there, but they did not stop. Belinda told it a little differently. She said they didn't go by Greg's house. She wanted to, and she asked them to do that, but Neville's car was unregistered, and Katie didn't want them to be driving around any more than they had to, so she said they couldn't take a detour past Greg's. So, obviously, two very different stories. Now, around the same time Belinda may or may not have driven by Greg's house, another person did try to call him. His neighbor, Mary Ann, had loaned out some money to Greg or a friend of Greg's, and somehow Greg was supposed to have the money that day to pay her back. He hadn't shown up with the money, so Marianne was calling looking for it. She said she called at 8 p.m. and then a couple of times after that, getting no response. Greg, for all of his claims of being home this entire time, really didn't seem like he was home, but what no one did was knock on the door and check. At 10 p.m., Greg called Marianne. He said he had actually tried to call her earlier, which does seem a little odd since she was the one calling him and he didn't answer. But anyway, he said he didn't have the money that she was looking for. And then he asked if she had any diapers he could have. Greg said he had Jaden and he had run out of the diapers Belinda had given him since she had only sent him with around four. Since Greg was only supposed to have Jaden for a few hours, This would have been plenty, but he ended up having Jaden for much longer and needed more diapers. Marianne told him she didn't have any to spare, but he could use a hand towel folded up if push came to shove. They also sold some at the corner store if Greg would rather do that. Before they hung up, Greg told Marianne that he would come over and hang out if Belinda got home to take Jaden back earlier than expected. According to Marianne, she did hear a child in the background during this call. But Greg never did go to the store for diapers, and no makeshift cloth diaper was found. Greg also said he called Katie's house at some point to see what time Belinda was coming by to get Jaden. This obviously is a big contradiction because Belinda didn't have a car. She needed Greg to drive her to her sister's house. She walked in the rain with her two-year-old because she didn't have a car. According to Belinda, Greg was supposed to be bringing Jaden back to Katie's house. 
And again, according to Belinda, this was confirmed with a 4 p.m. phone call. But later, Greg would say that Belinda was supposed to pick Jaden up. And when he called her, the babysitter Julie answered and said Belinda and Katie had left hours before. And he told Julie he would just keep Jaden overnight. It wasn't the first time he had kept him for the night. Belinda, meanwhile, left the party she was attending and went to Ryan's Hotel, which was a bar near where the party was, about 20 minutes from Moe. She arrived around 11 p.m. and tried to call Greg immediately, and Greg answered. This was the first time Belinda had heard from him since 4 p.m. when she says he said he was bringing Jaden back to her. Greg told Belinda that something bad had happened and Jaden had burned himself on his bottom. Greg took Jaden to the hospital, but all they did was put some cream on it and he thought it required more care than that. So he took Jaden to a second hospital. Jaden was, according to Greg, currently at that hospital and that's why Greg wasn't home to answer her previous calls. Belinda was picturing her 14-month-old injured and alone in a hospital, so she told Greg to come get her right away. And he said there was no reason for that. Jaden was fine, and she should just enjoy her night out. He told her to call back later, and he would come pick her up. Belinda had been drinking, so clear thinking wasn't exactly on the agenda. She hung up with Greg, seeming to have agreed with him, but then her brain caught up to her, and she told her sister, She actually had to leave. She had to find a way to get to Jaden. Katie told Belinda that she didn't think there was any emergency, no burn, no hospital, and that this was just some joke Greg was playing to mess with her a bit. This seems like an odd assumption, but Greg had an odd sense of humor, to put it mildly. He would talk deadpan about things like his dogs being abducted by aliens. People would not believe him, not that his dogs were really abducted, but the way he would say it, they would be completely convinced that Greg believed it. And then they would find out later that Greg was just joking around and thought it was funny to make them believe that. That seems pretty benign, but Greg had taken a joke too far before. Not long before this night, Greg was babysitting Jaden and gave him a bizarre haircut that mimicked Greg's hair pattern, which included a receding hairline. Belinda wasn't thrilled with this, to say the least, obviously, and she questioned Greg about it, and he joked that he just wanted Jaden to look more like him. Greg actually cut a young child's hair without the permission of the parents into some mock receding hairline as a joke. So Greg telling Belinda that Jaden was in the hospital but she should enjoy her night out was actually the sort of prank he would play. So Katie called Greg to find out what was going on and Greg confirmed to her that it was a joke. Jaden was not in the hospital. He did get a little burn from standing too close to the heater, but it was nothing more than a red mark. He was fine, and Greg just played it up as a joke. According to Greg, Jaden fell asleep at some point on the couch, and he smoked some pot and played Nintendo because he was bored. 
The next point in our timeline is between midnight and 1 a.m. when Greg's neighbor, Marianne, heard a loud car start up. She thought it sounded like Greg's car. Around 2 a.m., Belinda called Greg from Ryan's hotel, where she was finishing up her night, and asked him to come get her. He said he would, and he would have arrived there about 20 to 30 minutes after the call. Belinda was intoxicated, having been out drinking for about six hours or so at this point. Belinda was surprised when she got into the car, and Jaden was not with Greg. She asked where he was, and Greg said he was actually at the hospital due to that burn. That thing he said and then later passed off as a joke three hours ago wasn't actually a joke. Belinda insisted Greg immediately drive her to the hospital so she could be with Jaden, but Greg talked her out of this. What would it look like if she walked into the hospital completely drunk while her son had been in the hospital for a few hours at that point. It just wasn't going to be a good look. So Greg suggested he take her home and he would go back to the hospital for Jaden. Greg also handed the already drunk Belinda a bourbon and Coke for her to drink on the drive back to Moe. When they got back to Moe, they went to Greg's house. As they walked up to his front door, they realized that Greg's front window had been smashed. The front door was still locked, so Greg let himself and Belinda inside. Greg looked around the house, giving Belinda the impression he was looking to see if anything was stolen. Belinda told him to call the police, but he said he was not a snitch and he knew who did it. So he picked up the phone, and according to phone records, he called a cell phone number at 3.09 a.m. It was a call to his ex-girlfriend, Yvonne, in which he screamed something like, this is one of your sick games, before hanging up. So a little bit of background on Yvonne and Greg. They dated off and on, and that off and on relationship overlapped his relationship with Belinda. In addition to cheating on her, Yvonne also accused Greg of abuse. Unfortunately for Greg, he cheated on and allegedly abused an ex who also had a protective brother who also had friends. Greg immediately suspected the broken windows were Yvonne's doing, probably with her brother and or with their friends. With these smashed windows, Greg suggested Belinda actually go back to her own house to sleep instead because it didn't appear to be very safe. As they left Greg's house, they noticed there was a pig's head on the front lawn in front of the broken window. A real severed pig's head. And that made Greg absolutely sure this was Yvonne, because back when the two were dating, they actually owned a pig. Greg resented Yvonne for having the pig slaughtered when he says he wanted to keep it as a pet. Belinda still wanted Greg to call the police, but he would not. He drove her home, going past Yvonne's house on the way. Her car was out front, and there were lights on inside the house, but he did not stop. He dropped Belinda off around 3.20 a.m. and left pretty much immediately. Belinda then made three phone calls. One was to someone she had met at the party, and one was to the babysitter who still had her daughter. Then she called Greg and told him to come back to her house as soon as he picked up Jaden. 
and then she fell asleep. After Greg left Belinda's house, he was pulled over for speeding. He was given a breathalyzer, which showed he had not been drinking, and he was then allowed to leave. Greg did not mention anything about the incident at his house or anything else alarming that night when he was face-to-face with this police officer. At 5 a.m., Belinda was shaken awake by Greg. She was very groggy, having fallen asleep not even an hour and a half earlier. She didn't even have time to wake up hungover. She likely woke up still a little bit drunk. And what Greg told Belinda couldn't have been easy for her to process. He told her that Jaden wasn't at the hospital at all. He was actually missing. Greg explained that he left Jaden asleep on his couch when he went to pick Belinda up. This was a 40-minute round trip, and he said he didn't want to wake Jaden up and take him out in the cold if he didn't have to. When he got to the bar and Belinda asked where Jaden was, Greg didn't want to admit that he left a 14-month-old alone on a couch for 40 minutes. So he told Belinda that Jaden was actually at the hospital. According to Greg, he assumed that they would get back to his house, Jaden would be perfectly fine and asleep, and Belinda would be so relieved that he wasn't in the hospital that she wouldn't be angry he was left home alone. That was, according to Greg, his genius plan. Except when they got back to his house, the front windows were smashed and Jaden wasn't there. When Greg was checking to see if anything was stolen, he was actually looking for Jaden. So he decided to bring Belinda back to her house and then start searching for Jaden in earnest. Greg said he believed Yvonne had done the damage to his house and then taken Jaden as a way to get back at him for their breakup and their relationship and all of that. So he went by her house a second time after dropping Belinda off at her house, but he said he didn't see anything suspicious, even after he tried to look in the windows from gaps in the curtains. Greg realized that Jaden was truly missing and told Belinda they had to file a police report. So the two of them showed up at the police station at 5.18 a.m. and reported Jaden missing. They told the police about the broken window, the pig's head, all the rest. Belinda and Greg told their stories of what happened. Because there were a few contradictions early on, they were separated and then questioned. Belinda's story was pretty straightforward, and both she and Greg agreed that she was at a party and then at a bar while he was in charge of caring for Jaden the entire time. While the police had all sorts of opinions on Belinda's demeanor at this point in time, let's remember that it had been about 24 hours since she really slept, she had been drinking, and now her son was missing. There really is no baseline reaction for the situation to judge anything. Now, the initial police interview with Greg lasted about 45 minutes, and in that 45 minutes, he contradicted himself a few times. He would later say he had been smoking weed that night, which could account for some of the confusion, but at the time, he told the police he hadn't been under the influence of any substances while he was watching Jaden, so he really had no explanation for gaps in his memory or any inconsistencies. 
and that made the police immediately suspicious. Though the interview wasn't very long, they did hold Greg for several hours while they searched his home and his car and set up surveillance on him. Before searching Greg's house, the crime scene investigator did a walkthrough of Belinda's home first. In one of the bedrooms, he did find Jaden's crib, and the bedding from the crib was on the floor. Belinda said it had not been like that when she went out. The crib had been made up when she left for the day. This seems like a very irrelevant detail, but let's go ahead and store it away because the police will try to make sense of it later. The crime scene investigator then went to Greg's house around 3.40 in the afternoon on June 15, 1997. The first thing he noticed was that all of the front windows were broken. He saw the pig's head in the lawn in front of the living room window. Based on some marks on the front of the house, it looked like the pig's head had hit the house twice before it hit the window on lucky try number three. However, the pig's head failed to actually break the window and it bounced back into the yard. The windows were actually smashed with rocks and these rocks were found inside that front room. Looking inside the house where the rocks were, the crime scene technician examined the glass. None of the shards on the floor showed any signs of being stepped on or smashed into the flooring, which would have been expected if someone had broken the window and then climbed through it. There were still some jagged pieces of glass left in the window frame, and none of these pieces had blood on them or fabric threads to indicate someone got caught on those shards as they made their way inside. We know it's hard to definitively prove a negative, like to say absolutely no one could have gone through that window, period. But they could say that there was a lack of evidence that anyone did go through the window. Inside the bathroom, on a wall, there were some dried spots of blood. They were swabbed, and this was not Jaden's blood. It was later matched to Yvonne. The investigators believed the blood was actually old and was left there from a time Greg and Yvonne were dating and Greg had allegedly assaulted her. In a bedroom in the house, the crime scene investigators found $600 in cash under a mattress. The money was in a wad and it was wet. And we are talking wet, wet, not damp. This was like it had been submerged in water. As for the search on the outside of the house, they did look in a wheeled trash bin where they found a plastic bag that had five bloodstained tissues in it. Some of those tissues were twisted the way you would do if you were, you know, sticking them up your nose or a child's nose to stop the bleeding. DNA tests were run on these tissues and it was Jaden's blood. Greg's car was then searched the following day. A wet jacket was on the floor in the back of the car, and a wet wallet was on the floor underneath the gas pedal. The wallet, like the money, was very wet. Much like the messed up crib in Jaden's room, the wet money and the wet wallet will come into the police theory later, but it doesn't make much sense just yet. 
Greg was held until 2 a.m. on Monday morning, so over 20 hours after showing up to report Jaden missing. When he left the station, the police followed him, and he went straight to Belinda's house. And to their surprise, Belinda let him in. This is where things get a little complicated emotionally here. The police were leaning towards Greg being responsible for whatever happened to Jaden. They were wondering if Belinda welcoming him back with open arms meant she too was involved. So the police sat Belinda down in the days and weeks that followed and put some pressure on her. They soon stopped thinking she had any direct knowledge of what happened to Jaden, but she still appeared to be standing by Greg and insisting this was Yvonne. Belinda would later say she had more mixed feelings than this, and an investigator who was interviewed fairly recently for the news program under investigation said he actually understood why Belinda initially supported Greg. In one year, she had the police telling her that this was a homicide investigation. In the other year, she had Greg assuring her that Jaden was alive and that Yvonne and her brother were probably just hiding him somewhere. If your child was missing, which would you want to believe? Greg was giving Belinda the things she needed, and that was hope. If she convinced herself he had nothing to do with this, and it was Yvonne, she got to hold on to that hope. If she believed the police that Greg did something to Jaden and was covering it up, she lost all that hope. That is a powerful motivator to keep her attached to Greg. The police did suspect Greg, though, and in that first week after Jaden went missing, they did follow him around, hoping he would lead them to Jaden. Best case scenario, he stashed the little boy somewhere and he would go back to him. Worst case scenario, he killed Jaden, but he may have had to dispose of the body quickly. He might go back to hide it better. Or maybe he would just try to get rid of some evidence. But Greg never did any of this. Four days after Jaden was reported missing and after following Greg around to no avail, the investigator sat Greg down for a second interview. No 45-minute statement this time. They interrogated him for seven hours, wanting a minute-by-minute account of what Greg did that day and where he went. They brought up every inconsistency in his first statement, and they really drilled him when he would say he couldn't remember something. Greg tried to account for the entire 12 hours from when he took Jaden to his house until he left to pick Belinda up. But like we went over when we covered the timeline, he said he was alone with Jaden for the vast majority of the time, so there is no one who can vouch for that. And as for the time between dropping Belinda at her house and coming back to report Jaden missing, Greg said he spent that time looking for Jaden. He hoped he'd find him, likely with Yvonne, and then bring him back like nothing happened. But Greg didn't find him there, though it could be argued he didn't look that hard since he peered in windows and didn't even knock on the door. Even though Greg did not find Jaden with Yvonne, he still pointed the finger at her in his interview, just as he and Belinda had been doing from the start. Greg said he hesitated at first to go to the police when he suspected her involvement because, according to him, she was sleeping with a Moe police officer. 
For what it's worth, that officer has denied a sexual relationship with Yvonne, though he did know the family. Greg said Yvonne or her brother or their friends had taken Jaden, and it wouldn't be the first time she did something bizarre like that. According to Greg, and later confirmed by Belinda, Belinda once got a phone call from a woman who said, check on your children. Belinda ran into their bedroom to find Jaden in his sister's bed and his sister in Jaden's crib. They believed the woman who called was Yvonne. It isn't clear at what point Belinda stopped believing Greg, but with hindsight years later, she did say she noticed some red flags with him. Like, why did he always want to babysit Jaden and only Jaden? Greg said it was because he didn't like the babysitter Belinda hired, but that same babysitter was watching her daughter. But he didn't seem too concerned about her. Greg said he did have more of an interest in Jaden, and it was gender-based. Jaden was a boy being brought up surrounded by women, and he wanted to be that solid male role model for him. Other red flags include injuries Jaden would come home with after being with Greg. Most were not serious. They could be chalked up to a new walker who was learning to navigate, or really just accidents. Like one time when Greg took Jaden fishing, he was helping Jaden over a fence, and he accidentally dropped him. There was a witness to this who said that Greg provided the appropriate care and comfort afterwards, and it really did look just like an accident, maybe a careless one, but still just an accident. But that's not to say it accounted for everything. Greg's friends said that overall he would take good care of Jaden when he was babysitting, but they did notice he would lose his patience with Jaden and smack him when he would get annoyed. Other times when Jaden was crying and couldn't stop, Greg would put him outside the house with his three dogs and leave him there, largely unsupervised. The dogs were not aggressive, and Jaden wasn't scared of them, and there were no dog-related incidents. But it's still not an appropriate response to a crying child, and something bad could have happened. There was only one time when Jaden came home with an injury that Greg admitted was his fault. It was sometime in May 1997, about a month before Jaden went missing. Greg brought Jaden home after he had him overnight, and Jaden had a bruise on his face. Greg's story was that he was getting Jaden out of the car and accidentally bumped Jaden's head on the car door. Jaden wouldn't stop crying, and then Greg said he, quote, lost it. He must have smacked Jaden harder than previous times because this time, he left a mark. Greg told Belinda that he would turn himself in to child welfare, the police, whoever they needed to, so that it wouldn't come back on Belinda. They would know Belinda didn't do this. That didn't happen, and Belinda didn't call and turn him in. She did say she was uncomfortable leaving Jaden with Greg for long periods after that, though we know she did still let him babysit. So there was reason to suspect Greg, whether Belinda did at the time or not, but there was also a reasonable alternative suspect. It was confirmed it was Yvonne's brother and his friend who got drunk that night and decided to throw the pig's head through Greg's window. When the window didn't break, they grabbed rocks and threw them at the window before taking off in Yvonne's car. 
Was it really a complete coincidence that they did all of this on the same night a child in that house went missing? I know some people say they don't believe in coincidences, so in that case, it couldn't be. Personally, I'm open to coincidences, and that may be what the evidence is showing us here. But I can feel my voice going. I'm sure you can hear it. We're going to leave off here today. Tomorrow, we'll get into the investigation into the Pighead Brigade and the rest of the unfolding of this case. We do have a lot more ground to cover, so I really, really hope you tune in to part two to hear the rest of the story about Jaden Lesky. 